This is the big pond. See what you just said. <laughs> I'm just wondering if your mom ever took these trains between Frankfurt and Wolfersheim for um, doctor's appointments and stuff. Probably not this one, but. This is my wife, Catherine. We're on a train outside of Frankfurt, Germany. I can't get over just how much the countryside looks like where I grew up, in rural Missouri. Rolling green and yellow fields with rows of trees for windbreaks. We're headed toward a small town known as Wolfersheim. It's where my mom and dad lived when they were in their early 20s. They both grew up in Missouri, and they both live there now. But in the late 80s, my dad was in the U.S. Army and was stationed in a small German town called Friedberg. And it was there in 1986 where my mom got pregnant with me. She is probably lonely and scary. I didn't realize that I would be alone so much because he was on exercises all over Europe. I would say mom was probably alone 60% of the time, maybe a little bit more. That's right. Yeah, uh, the first year it was more. He was there maybe three months of the 12. But then after that, it was not as, not as bad. But I'd say she was alone 60 to 70 percent most of the time. I'm Tanya Lewis. I'm 53 years old and a second grade teacher. And how are you related to me? I'm your mother. <laughs> I love you. Uh, I'm Floyd Lewis. I'm almost 55 Christmas Day, and I'm your father. That's mom and dad. They've told me stories about Germany my entire life, like how I got my name. It's Jacob, J-A-K-O-B. That's the German spelling. Jakob is what they say. You see, there was an ad painted on a wall across from my parents' apartment in Wolfersheim, Germany. It was for a furniture company called Jakob & Sons. They liked the name, so here I am, Jacob with a K, even though everyone in Germany told them it was an old man's name. Now let me cover the usual questions I get. No, I don't speak German. No, I don't have dual citizenship because I was born in a U.S. military hospital. And I was only in Germany for a whopping six months before my parents moved back to the U.S., ultimately to a small town in Missouri. So when Catherine and I got the opportunity to visit Germany, it was exciting. It was going to be part reporting trip, partly to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary, but there was also this feeling like this was going to be a pilgrimage a pilgrimage to connect with my parents' experience. What I didn't foresee was just how connected our experience would be. On a cold, gray afternoon, three weeks before we left for Europe, I was sitting in a CVS parking lot with my heart racing. My wife was inside on a mission, while I scanned through the radio stations, waiting for what seemed like an eternity. Finally, the automatic doors opened. Catherine looked down as she walked toward me and tried to contain a little smirk developing on her face. She calmly got in and just showed me a picture on her phone. 
On the screen was a little white stick with one word. Pregnant. At that time, I mean, there was no sticks to, you know, take your early pregnancy test or anything like that. So you'd go to the doctor and you'd pee in a cup and they would test it and they would tell you if you're pregnant. And everyone that worked in the clinic was military. This lady uh, that's in camouflage, you know, she's working there and she goes the rabbit died or something like that. And I guess they used to use rabbit. I I don't know the context really, but I'm like, what? And she goes, you're pregnant. Is that, is that good or bad? And I started crying. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. Cause I I was just emotional. Cause you know, we weren't of course planning. Uh, That was not our plan. There's got to be some German word for that feeling when you find out you were a surprise. My parents were in their early 20s and did not plan to get pregnant. My wife and I are in our early 30s and were, in fact, trying. My mom and dad were newlyweds. Catherine and I have been married for a decade. But as we rolled through the German countryside and my wife had full-blown morning sickness, I was able to see my mother in a different way. I imagined her young, excited and clueless, watching the rolling hills and windmills. Suddenly I felt like I was on the next cycle of a longer journey. I had a felt sense of participating in the great lineage of humanity, passing down some mix of genetic code and story. I was looking for something. All right, this is the uh, Friedberg Rathaus. I don't know, Friedberg uh, City Hall. Here we go. Hey, does anyone here speak English? Yes. Yes, you do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a journalist from uh, the United States, mm-hmm. and um, I'm doing a story for the Goethe Institute mm-hmm. about uh, my father was stationed here uh, in the, for the U.S. Army like 31 years okay. ago. And I wanted to talk to anybody if they remembered uh, what it was like back then. You, is there anybody at City Hall? Um, yes, we have, but um, today um, the peop- we, have, um, we have a meeting okay. and uh, you need to go, uh, you need to have um, an appointment? Uh, yes, appointment, yes. I think in the next week Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to be here next week, so... Oh. That's okay. Um, do you know where the, ba- the military base... There's bureaucracy here, too. A kind woman behind a counter directed me to leave this building because they primarily dealt with the school system, and that I should go to another building where she thinks someone could help me. Here. Okay, okay. All right, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Danke. Bye-bye. Well, I don't even know what I'm looking for, but... I'm looking. Well, uh, we had just gotten married, and we were on our way back to Colorado Springs at Fort Carson, where I was stationed. And um, we, I went back to work, and I had orders to go to Germany. But the problem was, we haven't. Uh, we just got married, so the orders came down as a single person going and not a married couple because we haven't 
register that with the uh, the government yet with the army so what does that mean that means that i had to go unaccompanied tour until i can get the paperwork turned in to bring your mom over it was just me going over and uh basically living in the, in the barracks for a while until i could find housing and and uh, get your mom over there I don't know why they sent him over there right before Christmas, because he just sat for three weeks, basically. They don't do a lot in the military around the holidays. And so he gets there, he celebrates his 21st birthday in the barracks. You know, he it, it was depressing for both of us, basically. But um, I didn't get to go over until about mid-March of 85. And um, he had secured um, housing, they call it housing on the economy, meaning he did not get housing in a military facility like on base or a military area where they have apartments, but it was out in a German community. And that little community was about 12 kilometers from Friedberg, where he was stationed, which, by the way, was where Elvis was stationed. And it was a little village called Wolfersheim. And um, there was a little castle there, and it was just a, a quaint, cute little village. My mom spent a lot of time alone in Wolfersheim. That's because it was the Cold War. My dad would be called out on countless exercises. He was a mortarman, driving an armored personnel carrier. His unit would mobilize to the border between West and East Germany. It was nerve-wracking for both my mom and dad because they never knew if it was a drill or a real threat. We would load up the vehicles and uh, start heading through the countryside of Germany, heading for the border. Going through these little towns and uh, down the Autobahn. I mean, it was, we would just just take over Germany basically and, and go. Uh, you can about imagine if you had over 100 tanks plus all these support vehicles and different things, uh, there's going to be some damage to the countryside. Sometimes we'd go through these little towns, villages, we get new tank drivers in or, you know, they're tired or whatever. Cause sometimes we're up, you know, 24, 30 hours, you know, doing stuff and uh, we would actually run into bridges. We would run into people's houses with tanks. We'd hit their livestock. We would, you know, tear up the roads. Um, it wasn't on purpose. Big joke was don't hit a chicken because uh, you have to pay for that chicken and the number of chickens it would produce in like 10 years and the number of eggs it would produce in 10 years. So. Uh, the big joke was the farmers never locked their chickens up. <laughs> they they were hoping to get to get them run over so they can get the compensation for that. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm, I'm, what is your name? Sigrid. Sigrid. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm Jacob. Okay. And this is my wife, Catherine. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. So nice to meet you. After so going you to another building, I was in a government office with four women. Sigrid spoke the best English, so she took charge. She told me the military base where my dad was stationed was closed. It was called Ray Barracks. The German government owned it, and it was unlikely I was going to get in on my timeline. So I asked her, what was it like back in the late 80s to have a U.S. military base in her town? I pictured my dad sitting alone on a metal bed frame celebrating his 21st birthday. 
while Sigurd was out at a restaurant with all her friends. It was very scary for us when we were young because there were a lot of uh, at the beginning of the month there were a lot of trouble with Americans in oh. the in the town. But like <laughs> when what? They got money, in, and oh. they went to the to the bars. <laughs> got money drinking German beer and then uh, there were a lot of trouble but um, <laughs> that's what I remember that's funny because my dad taught me one German phrase and it's ein Bier bitte ein Bier, yeah. <laughs> that means one beer okay. please uh, the German beer is not uh, similar like the American beer so it's very difficult we have more alcohol in and it's very um, hard when uh, they drink it the first time so uh, th- that's what I remember but uh, Would you say that's kind of was the town's opinion typically? Like, was that kind of because uh, because I in America I've never had another country like occupy mm-hmm. a space. So I'm curious: is that like feel like hey, get off my get out of my country, or like does it no no no? no. For us when we were young, it was normal that a lot of people from America were here, and also a lot of Germans had jobs in the barracks and worked there. In the kitchen, in um, cleaning, I don't know, a lot of things. The taxi drivers earned a lot of money with Americans when they drove the, to Frankfurt or back. So, uh, yeah, I think it was, for us, it was normal. It was no problem. I remember my dad telling me that the same barber that cut Elvis's hair cut his hair. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We have these barber story every year here. <laughs> around around the uh, 16th of August, when Elvis was, uh, I don't know, it was his birthday. No, it was the day when he died. It's always a very, very big festival here in this area. I used to believe everything my parents told me. And then I realized just how adults talk to children and how family stories evolve over the retelling and how unreliable memories can be. So I thought I'd do a little test. I asked Sigrid about the tanks driving through the town. Because always after the um, uh, the tanks drove through the t- cities, there were so many houses broken and uh, the streets broken. And afterwards, always the the reconstruction was uh, made from the workers. And uh, when they are finished, the next tanks came. <laughs> All right, that checks out. One thing was transportation because we were a little far out. Um, the military, uh, especially at that time, they still do have them. But they call it, they used to call them boneyards, and they were uh, cars that were boneyards. For sale. They were essentially the army's used car lots. When someone left Germany, they'd sell their car, and then some new schmuck like my dad would buy it. I think I gave five hundred dollars for our first car. It was an Audi. Um, It was orange, and it was an Audi 100. I think that's what it was. These things were clunkers, and usually had been around for a while, passed from one new recruit to another. They were rusted out and covered in patches of a gray substance called Bondo to fill in the holes and keep the thing from falling apart. And it was probably 75% Bondo, <laughs> literally. Stick shift. I, I bought it and took it home. I was not acquainted with a standard um, shift, you know, driving a standard vehicle. <laughs> I would stall out at the stop signs, and Germans like to use their horns. They use their horns and their lights a lot. So that was frustrating for me. I'm like, I'm trying my best. <laughs> 
that one uh, finally bit the dust and then I got a, a green Audi 5000 that's what was there uh, and it was 60% Bondo yeah it was probably 60% <laughs> Bondo but it, it was a better car it was a bigger car um, and that was the car we had that when you were born my parents brought up vehicles a lot I think it's just something tangible we can talk about, like work or the weather. I also think it was a genuinely large anxiety for my mom. My dad had one day, one day to find an apartment off base, give my mom a car, teach her to drive it, and then leave again for war games. She told me stories of how someone smashed their windshield with a beer bottle one night, and how one day my mom was driving down the road, and all of a sudden the hood came off and flew over the car. She said an old German woman on a bicycle stopped, pulled it off to the side of the road, and then kept going. These kinds of problems made my parents dependent on the world around them, particularly one of their neighbors, one of the few people from that time they mentioned by name. Um, And this is a very long shot, but um, they said that their neighbor was a guy named Peter Reeb, and he owns an auto body shop in Wolfersheim. Reeb Auto Body. Does that ring a bell? No, no, no. Robertsheim is not my, but I can, I can uh, check. First of all, Sigrid is the hero of this story. She is an angel. Secondly, it's just so interesting to me to think about my parents in their early 20s. I think about the people that surrounded me during that time. When I first got married, I painted houses. My wife and I were barely making rent and eating a lot of ramen noodles. My painting boss one day gave us a gift card to a chain Italian restaurant We thought we'd died and gone to garlic bread heaven. Peter Reeb was one of those characters in my parents' life, just an ordinary guy that showed them simple kindness. He was an auto body guy, worked in an auto body shop. So he was a big help when trying to figure out when my car would lose a piece of Bondo. I don't know if we ever had him over for dinner. I think, no, probably not. Um, he was busy. He was, he was young, and and he was a very um, good-looking guy. Dark hair, you know. He was young then. Dark mustache. Um, wore he lots of leather. wore lots of leather. Dressed. He he was always going out. He was never home really. Um, you he know. Liked, he, he liked the disco. And he had a dog. I think it, I, I would call it a Rottweiler, probably. That was. It was a Doberman. Oh, a Doberman. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's true. It was. What was his name? Reeb, R-E-E-B. Should I call it them for you? For you or? Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Which one is it? Yeah, Bart, Stadt Friedberg, guten Tag. Ich habe hier ein äh, amerikanisches Paar stehen, die suchen einen Peter Reeb, neben dem äh, deren Eltern... Sigrid got a hold of Peter. He lives in a small town nearby called Barstadt. She convinced him that we weren't trying to scam him or steal from him, and he said he'd love to meet us. Here we got taxis galore. Here. We got taxis for days. Taxis for days on days. Taxis on taxis on taxis. Hello. How are you? Um, can you take us to that address? In... Yeah. Yeah? Okay. A man named Khan asked us a lot of questions, like... Why do you have that microphone? While he drove us to Barstadt. Yeah, that's that white building right there. It says Reeb. 
that's this guy's last name, and it's a. He, I know he has an auto body shop. So I don't. What I don't know is is this the shop or is this his house? But I think. Yeah, let's drop me off at this white building right here. <gasps> hey, puppy. Two puppies. Hi. Hello. Hello. I'm. I'm looking for Peter Reeb. Are you yeah. Peter? I'm Peter Reeb. Hi, Peter. I'm uh, Jacob Lewis. Yeah. Floyd and Tanya's um, son. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you say Catherine. Oh, so your name is Catherine. I'm Peter. Yes, this is my wife. So, so we can do this if you'd like. I hold up my phone, showing him Google Translate. I tried to ask him something complicated that I don't even remember, and he said. I don't understand. You don't understand? Uh, yeah. okay, this? So as I started to try again, he said, A ruby called coffee drink? Sure. Here you come. Yeah. So I my hands and okay. He directed us to a little kitchen and made us coffee. This is Lucky and this is Minos. He shows us his two dogs, Lucky and Milos. He recently adopted them from Greece. Nine months old. Oh, okay. Little dogs. Also. And in my time in Wölversheim, where your father, I had doorman. Doberman. I had a doorman, you know. In the time I live in Wölversheim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. Aww. Jeffrey was his name. Aww. The Jeffrey, yeah. How long ago did he die? Uh, he died in 1999. Mm-hmm. He was 16 years old. How old? 16 years. 16? No, 16, no, 16, genau. 16 years. 16. Also, 1, 6, 16, 1, 6. Mm-hmm. 16 is yeah. very old. Yeah. Very old for, for, a dog. For, for a big dog. We willingly struggled through about a half hour of conversation. But overall, Peter was a jolly, hospitable guy. He had fluffy gray hair, a round gut, and that faint smell of grease that you would expect from a car guy. He offered to drive us around to see my parents' old apartment. And he started to get excited. Hello, Tanya. Hello, Floyd. Um, for 13 years, I was a small man. <laughs> and yes, I'm a big man. <laughs> hey, so is Floyd. Uh. Floyd's a big man. <laughs> we eat hamburger and uh, cheeseburger and oh, sugar. And, uh, you says sugar. And, and beer. Beer, genau, beer. <laughs> Very good, yeah. What I loved the most about Peter was that his memory was similar to my parents. He didn't remember a lot about their personalities or things they talked about. But across three decades... He remembered my dad's car. Audi 100. He was the color was green, and the car was broken. <laughs> and we drive the car in my garage. Right? Garage now. We drive the car in the garage, and we make it okay. In college, I remember finding a box of photos from Germany. There was one that struck me the most. It was a small print, three by five, of some red tulips. To me, it made my parents more human. I asked about it, and my mom said that they took a trip to the tulip fields in Amsterdam. Tulips as far as the eye could see, they said. They brought some bulbs back and planted them in front of their apartment. I just love thinking of my mom excitedly turning over the soil, starting a new life, embarking on marriage and motherhood. It's hopeful. And I hoped that some tulips might still be there. Tulip? Totengarten hätten. Here. 
Yeah, you, 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 yeah? And now I see some, some flowers, but no tulips. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, good. Many times, certain years. But it's the same. Yeah. This house, this house, the garden is the same we for 13 years. As church bells rang out, I held up some photos from 33 years ago of my parents' apartment. It really did look identical. In fact, the sky was the same shade of gray. Ah, it's at the back. We walked to the back, and there was a small balcony. Oh, wow. I have a picture of my mom waving off that balcony. Yeah, look. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an old picture. That's, that's my mom on that balcony. Yeah, sister, <laughs> yeah. Wow. For 13 years. Wow. Floyd and Tanya will be happy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Then I can take the oh, picture. Oh, one more picture? Yeah. Okay. But over. I want to get the same. Okay. My wife got a picture of me holding the picture of my parents' apartment with the exact scene in the background. It's pretty cool. Bahnhof? Yeah. I you the Yeah? Oh, danke. Say it again. He was so nice. It's funny, you know, on our way up here and even talking to that woman, it was kind of, I think we both had this like bleak feeling of like, it must have been really sad and lonely for your parents, especially your mom. But after talking to him and it's like, nah, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to turn this thing off. Let's get something to eat. Let's walk around Friedberg. Catherine and I explored an old castle. We ate at a tiny restaurant where I had some of that strong German beer Siegfried was talking about. It was an important day for our lives. We were human beings. So was Peter Reeb. And so were my parents. That was amazing to me. And to see that you were standing in front of where we used to live, um, that you got to walk the same streets we walked. And, you know, because we had a little um, path we would walk. We would go to the... Italian ice shop and get ice cream and walk back home and walk around the little village and so yeah very very exciting what was it like to see those pictures well, it, was, it, was, it was exciting because first of all Peter really changed <laughs> he's kind of like me he's got a lot lot, lot bigger and a uh, lot, lot grayer but um, my favorite picture was with you standing in front of the old house holding up your cell phone with the original picture of the house that we had and it really hadn't changed really that much at all but it was just i was just thrilled that you were able to get to do it and um one thing that i think is an interesting correlation is like uh, the fact that Catherine is pregnant uh over there so what was that like to, to find that out well, we were we were over the moon excited that that you were pregnant. We're sorry that she was sick while she was there, but yeah, that was really cool to find out that she was actually there when she was pregnant, and that I was pregnant with you there. I mean, it took I think it took a while to process when you told us that. Oh, by the way, we're gonna have a baby in June, and we're like, ah. <laughs> it was. Uh, we were very, very excited, but kind of uh, shocked, I think. We were very shocked, very excited. Now they were excited to be grandparents again. Yeah. So, very exciting. Well, I mean, one thing, we instantly said that you guys were going to be great parents. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Don't cry. <laughs> Don't cry. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we love. My dad's parents died when he was young. His mom when he was a teenager and his dad shortly after I was born. I never knew them. I highly doubt his dad told him he was going to be a good parent. Maybe he thought it, but having a little insight into how my dad was raised on a pig farm in Missouri, I just don't think he was ever told something like that. And in the end, I think that's what I was looking for. A connection. A blessing. Some indication that I'm doing this thing called life rightly. That we, Catherine, myself, and now our son, are going to be okay. And there's something about the fragility, the uncertainty, and just the ordinariness of where they were when I entered into this world that gives me hope. Together, you've been listening to The Big Pod, a series of dialogues between Germans and Americans, coming to you from PRX and the Goethe Institute.